This is so strange. Um, hey guys. Actually, good morning, Covenant College. Morning. <laughs> um, is it okay if I pray really quick? Okay. Um, Father God, um, thank you for who you are. Um, thank you for this opportunity. Um, help me and Allison um, be glorified through what we have to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I don't remember my first 10-hour drive up from Tampa. I don't remember somehow moving my entire life into a tiny room with carpeted walls in Bell's Tower. But what I do remember about my move to Covenant College is a week. For a shy, introverted homeschooler, a week was pretty daunting. I'm sure some of you guys can relate. Um, Fortunately, I discovered espresso. <laughs> yeah. On the first night of a week, I ordered an espresso at the Blink. And for someone with zero caffeine tolerance, it was a bold move, to be sure. Um, but having started the caffeine trip, which is the first week of school, I went out in search of friends. And I was successful. Fueled, perhaps, by that one cup of coffee, I ended up making friends with half the school. Before I knew it, I had a place in what felt like every friend group on campus. That week, I had peaked. Briefly, I was a popular kid. The problem was, the thing that carried me through a week wasn't actually caffeine or extrovert energy. It was insecurity. I wasn't confident in myself, so I needed the affirmation of others. One friend group wouldn't suffice. I needed a place in all of them. Clearly, in my first week of school, my love was misaligned. Today, I want to talk to you about love. Specifically, how I have learned to love over the past four years at Covenant. During my time at Covenant, I have felt trapped in a cycle of trying to love, failing, then thinking about it really hard, trying again, and failing again. All the while, I was living like a Christian, doing all the right things, saying all the right words, and yet it was not coming from a place of love. All the days I spent in Bible study, reading the Pentateuch over and over, volunteering at church, not swearing, getting good grades, were worthless without love. I felt good about myself, but really, I was far from God. You see, the way that I had been imagining God was as a disappointed father, with his back turned to me. And so I tried everything I could, good works, good speech, good grades, to turn him toward me in my mind. But nothing worked. Nothing worked because my root problem was unbelief. Ultimately, I didn't believe that God could love me. I didn't believe that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were sufficient to cover my vast history of sins. So, for those first three years of college, I was trying to love out of my own love. This quickly ran out, and I ended up hurting people. I hurt some of my best friends who had loved me really well. I saw people as numbers, and my equations weren't coming out right. All the right things that I had been doing my whole life were no longer working. I was a bad friend. And so the bad stories come to mind quicker than the good ones when I think about my time at Covenant. 
Conflicts with friends and emails from President Halverson are markers of my time here, not fun adventures or academic endeavors. And yet these hard times serve as Ebenezer's just as well, because looking back, I can see God working in each of my failures to love. And I can see members of this community being patient with me while I wrestled with unbelief and selfishness. So I am thankful to the Covenant community for being people who have loved me well. You have reflected the love of the Father when I was too stubborn to receive it. Thank you. In the semesters that followed that caffeine-ridden fall semester of freshman year, I thought a lot about loving people. And I think that this campus does a great job of that, uh, or a great deal of that, which is great. Um, and yet, absent a confidence of God's love, it is impossible to love others well, no matter how much we think about it. When Dr. Jerem Bars came to speak in chapel recently, I was shocked by the simplicity with which he talked about loving a community. There was no theory behind it. No, for him, you just did it. Just love your neighbors. Putting knowledge into practice has been a theme in my life recently. Right now, I'm writing my capstone, trying to remember how to run econometric regressions without transgressing, transgressing the classical assumptions behind them. Soon, I'll be entering the workforce where the technical and relational skills that I have learned will be utilized and relied on. A similar transition happened last summer, but on a much bigger scale. For the first time, my head knowledge of the gospel trickled into my heart, informing the way I lived in a real way. And it all happened in Ireland. For those of you who don't know me, I went to Ireland over the summer. For those of you who do know me, you're probably thinking, I wish this dude would just shut up about Ireland already. <laughs> um, I hear you, I talk about it a lot, but I'm, I'm not going to shut up about it. Um, Ireland, for me, represents a total shift in worldview. Before going to Ireland, everything I knew was based entirely on something I stubbornly resisted, the love of God. It would be like an economist affirming supply and demand curves or refusing to believe in scarcity. I went to Ireland wanting to find the secret to loving others because I had failed at it so badly at Covenant. I got what I wanted, not in the way I expected. In Ireland, I encountered the Lord. So picture this. I'm wandering through the forest, alone, in probably one of the most beautiful places ever. It's called Glendalough, National Forest south of Dublin, County Wicklow. That doesn't matter. Think Narnia, Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter. Absolutely stunning. So, while I'm walking through um, the trails, I'm on a spiritual retreat, so I try to pray or read my Bible or something. Eventually, I just start walking, exploring the trails and looking at birds. As I explored the stunning trails of Glendalough, it hit me. I thought to myself that the park designer must have been a very generous person. Rather than having a strict map and hard boundaries, he allowed freedom and exploration through small trails. Reflecting on God's love, I could see the Father as a generous designer who delights in his park and delights in my exploration of it. Each foray down a small trail, even if it leads to a dead end or stumbling into a creek, which did happen a lot, um, is an experience that the designer enjoys with me. So I spent that day exploring trails with my Father. All that time I had been thinking about loving or doing the right thing, and I was really missing the big picture. And today I can't tell you that a switch has turned and I no longer struggle with unbelief. 
However, I can say that I have experienced the love of the Father. I've experienced Christ holding me fast. I've experienced the feeling of the disciples when the recently transfigured Jesus touched them and said, Rise, have no fear. I've experienced the Father exulting over me with loud singing, facing me, smiling. Before I left Ireland, my mentor asked what I was thankful for as I returned to my last year at Covenant. I replied, God is not just in Glendalough. And that's true. The Holy Spirit is in me, and he is in you. And the love that we show each other, which we do not have to theorize over, but just do, is a reminder of the perfect love of the Father. We share in that love. We won't get it perfect, and that's okay. I need that reminder every day. During my senior year, I have noticed a difference in my life. I care about learning, not just the grade. I care about being healthy, not just what my body looks like. I care about my friends, not just what they think about me. These are good starts. Again, I cannot say that I am now fixed and I'm able to love everybody perfectly. Of course not. Because of the love, but because of the love I experienced, which the Psalms say is better than life, I can love others. While loving others is a command, I do not have to worry about getting it perfectly right. It's like calculating your potential grade at the end of a semester and realizing you can get a zero on the final and still get an A. The analogy falls apart really quickly, but it, it's like that only like on a cosmic scale. <laughs> um, anyway, one of my favorite hymns is called The Love of God. The third verse is one of those pieces of writing that you wish you had written yourself. It says the following. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill, and every one a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. To even get a small sense of this giant love is insane. We have that love living inside of us. So let us be a campus which is not characterized by thinking about love, all the while harshly judging others and ourselves. Rather, let us be a community that extends grace out of a knowledge that the Father smiles upon us. Rather than thinking too much about what we fail to do, let us, as the hymnist writes, think what spirit dwells within thee, think what Father's smiles are thine, Think that Jesus died to win thee. And only if we affirm those can we sing the final line of that song, Child of heaven, canst thou repine. You who are adopted, loved children of God, be encouraged that there is nothing, nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that instead of turning your back to us and being disappointed with every little sin, that you come towards us with arms open, smiling and singing with joy. You are awesome, and we praise you. Um, Lord, I pray for Allison as she speaks next. I thank you for the stories that we have to share. Um, please bless her as she speaks and shares her heart. It's in Jesus' name I pray.